This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. From the ArmeniaProud.com studios. Genatsat Hayed. This is a toast to Armenia with Jono Kabinjian. A comprehensive look at the Armenian culture only on lineupmedia.fm. Genatsat, Genatsat, Pailuisin Spesek. Brian, how are you, my friend? I'm doing very well. Brian, I tell you what, man. Things have been going great here at the studio. We've been off a couple weeks, my friend, but uh, I think we're going to pick up things and things are going to start happening again after the holiday season. That's for sure. Yeah, 2018 is going to be a great year for this this show. A little shout out to a little shout out, my friend, to a good friend of mine, and he's been on our show, and he just got married. Greg Asatorian. Remember Greg? Of course I remember he does, Greg. He does his uh, whole sports the thing. soccer stuff. Yeah, yeah. That, what a great guy. What a great guy. And he married Karin Gazarian. I hope I said that right, but I probably did this time. It was pretty easy. Anyway, uh, Greg and uh, Karin got married, and uh, I tell you what, I love seeing Greg on Facebook all happy like that. Congrats, buddy. You did it. Congratulations, Greg. Brian, our guest for this week, I'm really, really excited about this guest. You, you've been very excited all morning. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've been, I've been a little pumped up about uh We've got Rafi Petrosian. Rafi is uh, he's from Seattle, and uh, one day he just loaded up his backpack, and he's going to tell us all about it. And uh, with his camera crew, with his uh, drones and everything, he went to Armenia, and uh, the footages of uh, him walking – well, you know what? I, let's let's get Rafi. Are you out there? I'm here, Jono. How you doing, man? I am doing great, and I am so happy to have you on our show. Me too. It's a pleasure. Uh, Rafi, tell us, tell us, my man. Uh, fill our people in on how this thing got started. I was telling uh, Brian about how you just. Came from Seattle to Armenia with a backpack and with a camera crew and everything and just traveled. I think the videos, uh, the episodes and all that, it's called Janabar, right? It's called Janabar or Road in English. Right. Not the road, but just road. Road. Okay. Um, yeah. I can give you the long story or I can give you the short story. I would want um, the story that you're comfortable with and th- that our people would <laughs> be interested in. Okay, so so I've been in Armenia for a while now. It's uh, it's almost been five years, mm-hmm. and uh, I came over as a volunteer. I just knew that I wanted to come and see Armenia, to see my roots, and I came over with a volunteer program called Birthright Armenia, and I did that volunteering for about a year. And one of the organizations I volunteered with was Bars Media, um, and they just they make documentaries and television shows and such. Mm-hmm. And after my volunteer work with them, uh, we split ways, and I continued on doing other kinds of work. Now, about one year ago, uh, the producer there, Vartan uh, Hovanisian, came up to me and said, Rafi, we have this idea for a show. So we sat down at a cafe, and we talked it out, and we came up with this idea where me as a diasporan, I would go and explore all of Armenia. But, Ah. you know, not in some typical touristic way. I wouldn't just go to churches 
right. or old monuments. And I wouldn't just, you know, drive in a Marshutka or a Lada or something like that, typical car. But I'm going to walk all of Armenia from one border, the southern border uh, near Iran, all the way up to the northern border of Georgia. And wow. uh, so that's what we came up with. We did a little bit of planning and typical Armenian style. We kind of waited to the last minute to buy all the gear and like map out different places that sounded interesting to go visit. And uh, in July of this year, 2017, I grabbed my backpack, got all my stuff, gathered the crew and started walking from Megri, which is the very furthest southern city in Armenia. That was my starting point, And I started from there and started walking north. Okay, I caught, folks, I caught these episodes, and there uh, you can find these episodes uh, on uh, YouTube too, right? That's right. Uh, you know what? It's it's kind of strange. We have the first four episodes available on YouTube, and then our broadcaster is H1, uh, Hameg, mm. which is like the, the national broadcasting station of Armenia, and... Uh, they decided that it should be it would be better to view it on their page. So the first you. four are available on YouTube. After that, the rest are available on the H1 website, and there's links there. I Perfect. can share the links with you guys later. Yeah, definitely do that. Definitely, uh, folks. I'm telling you right now. You've seen Armenia. You've seen Armenia from uh, you know the tourist sh uh, shots and all that. You've seen uh, the churches. But I tell you what, Rafi, you capture some landscape that I've never seen before. I, I thought yeah. it was beautiful, man. Yeah, me too. I, I was blown away how diverse Armenia is. I mean, before, you know, just being in Yerevan, I think that it's just dry and rocky. But then once you get outside of Yerevan, you realize how, how rich the uh, nature is over here. And yeah. with every step, every region I go into, it changes drastically from being a subtropical uh, area with uh, sparse trees but lots of rocks and grasses to the next step going into a forest that's lush and thick. Um, now, how many people traveled with you, know? you? I always had about four people with me. So it was me uh, uh, walking. I had two cameramen, each one holding a DSLR camera. And so they would have to do the same thing I would, but with a camera in their hand. So I always argue that they had a much more difficult journey than I did. Right. And then uh, also the uh, director was also there. So that's four of us. Right, right. Uh, there was a one part in there that you said, you know what, Zaravim, uh, you're thirsty, you're walking. Are these guys thirsty too, or do they have bottles of water? <laughs> you know, it's weird. They have, we all have bottles of water, but I'm like a camel, you know, like I, I don't even need that much water. These guys are just like pouring, they're dripping down sweat and, uh, and they're just downing their water. Like it's nothing. And, and, and the, there, there, there were times where we'd run out and I would give them my water, you know, because <laughs> I, I've been hiking, I've been hiking all my life, you know, I like, so I love it and I'm used to it. My body knows how to, how to walk and how to climb, you know? Yeah. So I, I wouldn't need that much, but I'd hold it just in case because I knew these guys. It was their oftentimes it was their first time outside of the city, out climbing in the mountains, and so it was a it was adventure for all of us in many different ways. For them, it was more physical. For me, it was spiritual and emotional. You know, connecting with my roots. And folks, how Rafi's walking? He's just not walking a little trail either. Sometimes he walks trails, but this guy was off terrain, and uh, he's up on the mountains walking on top of mountains that I'm like, no, 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 don't step on that one rock. And sure enough, <laughs> Rafi's on top of that one rock uh, up on the very top. It, I tell you what, man, it, it, it was definitely beautiful to watch. 
and I could kind of say it was a little dangerous too at times. Uh, definitely. You know, we took out insurance before going out there, <laughs> just in case. We took out. We took care of the practical side of things. Uh, so we had. I had insurance just in case I got. I broke my leg or something like that. Uh, I contacted the emergency care units in the different regions within uh, within Armenia, letting them know that I was going to be in their region. We're going to be out in the wild. We're going to be away from people. So in the event that something happens, like perhaps I get uh, bit by a snake. I thought that. They'll be prepared. You know, I thought that. They'll have something on hand, you know? Yeah, I thought that because Armenia's got that uh, Armenian viper and stuff, and you're climbing through these rocks and putting your feet right in those little cracks and stuff, I'm going, Jesus, I, I know that we got this one snake that uh, in in our St. Louis Zoo, they have a whole wall on this Armenian viper and how dangerous it really? is. Really? Oh, it, yeah. it's, it's amazing. And uh, I was I didn't know if I'm, I should be proud of the snake or be more <laughs> scared of the snake, but uh, I see you walking through the weeds. I see you walking on the rocks, and I'm like, you know, he could fall. He, he's got snake. I mean, did you guys have all these, uh, you know, planned out uh, if anything did happen, right? You guys were ready for it. Uh, let's say we did. Let's say we, we were ready. But in all honesty, it's only in retrospect that I think about how dangerous it really was. Because in all honesty, if I did get bit by a snake, I don't know if any emergency care would be able to reach me by the time no, I died, basically. Right. Or if I would be able to get out from, say, the top of a mountain or the, the very bottom of a valley or, or a gorge in time to have some someone come and take care of me. Um, but I was very lucky. You know, everywhere I went, people would say, oh, be careful, there's bears, there's wolves, there's snakes. And I only saw two bears from a great distance. I never saw any wolves. And I saw plenty of snakes. The majority were not poisonous because I w I, we learned to identify the poisonous ones versus the non-poisonous. Um, but there was one poisonous snake. I'm sure that it was a, a gurza, which is like the Armenian viper, the most one of the most poisonous snakes, yeah. uh, especially in this region. And uh, I came face of – I mean I came within inches of that thing. I was walking through Devil's um, – no, Hell's Canyon. And it was a dried up riverbed that I was walking through, high stone walls on both sides of me. And I'm hopping from dry rock to dry rock. And I hop yeah. from one rock to the next, thinking nothing of it. And I land, and there's that, there's this big brown snake right at my feet, you know, Jesus. just inches away from my feet. And it doesn't move. It's not scared, you know? It, it, and I think it doesn't move. I think it's dead, you know? So I'm like, hey, guys, look, a dead snake. And then it slowly turns its not head at dead. me, like, what are, you, what are you doing here? Yeah, not dead. <laughs> Not dead. Yeah, not dead at all. Not dead at all. And so then that, you could see the panic on my face. Luckily, there were cameras there to document that scared panic in my face, and I just jumped away, you realizing know, that it was a, a viper. Uh, forget the animals now. Let's talk about uh, this one part was a little kind of leery. It kind of gave me a moment of reality as well. When I'm watching it, you said, hey, you know what? There's snipers out here. I got to take off my orange jacket because I would be kind of a walking target. I got to put the, put on this black jacket. I mean, it's amazing. We live in America and, uh, you know, Armenians throughout the world, too, do not experience how the borders, how much, how much fear there is on just taking an, uh, another wrong turn somewhere and something happening that could be very tragic in your life by by another human being, and uh, it it 
it kind of described a little bit of that. That was kind of a leery feeling for me watching that. Uh, you're totally right. I mean, b- before coming to Armenia, I never would have imagined me getting close to a border could mean I was putting my life in jeopardy. Uh, I, I couldn't even uh, fathom that idea. But then here I am in Armenia, and we're climbing up to the, the tallest lake that we have here, the highest elevation lake, Gogilich. And it's right on the Armenia and Nakhichivan border. And uh, as we're climbing up, there's just tall, again, tall rocks, uh, tall mountainsides along both sides of me. And the crew are telling me that, you know, we're walking into the, we're walking to the border. We're walking right to the line. And on each side of us are, are posts, are military posts belonging to both sides. On, to my right is the Armenian. To my left is the Azerbaijani. And they have they, their stories where they're not only firing on other military personnel. You know, it's not just that kind of war, but it, they're also firing on villagers, civilians. Yeah. Villagers, but even more civilians. I had took it more personally because they, they told me a story that last year they were firing on tourists, Jesus. and I—I I mean, nothing screams more tourists than me wearing an orange jacket and blue shorts, <laughs> blonde hair, blue-eyed, running around through Armenia. Right. So, I mean, I was—I was seriously scared at that point. Every time that we stopped to, as the, as a crew, you know, cameraman, director, me. Every time we stopped to kind of replan, reevaluate, think, how are we going to walk up there? I, I said, guys, let's move. Let's let's keep going. Or I would run behind a, a tall rock to, in the hopes that they couldn't see me. Now, I got very lucky, and uh, I'm talking to you now because I did not get shot. <laughs> there, right. we, we actually didn't encounter any danger. But the idea of the threat was always there. There. Um, there. Yeah, and so that, that, was really, that was really scary. That was one of the more scary moments for me. And you know, and, on top and real. of that. Yeah, and, and on top of that, me watching this. It seemed it's so weird too because uh, the atmosphere of that side, the other side, was kind of foggy, kind of kind of like you don't want to be there. And then as you walked on our side, kept walking, it was beautiful. Then you got to the lake and the, you seen blue skies. But when you got a visual of their side, it was like mist, and uh, it just didn't seem like a place that you want to be. Yeah. Yeah. Not only was there that 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 government border, you know, the the one that the state creates, but there was that physical border as well. And and I'm really lucky that I had such a great crew working with me that they were able to capture that. You know, so so you're able to feel that. But the cameraman shooting amazing footage and the director being able to all edit it together so that you as a viewer get to feel that as well. You know, I'm very lucky that I had such a good crew working with me. No, it was excellent professional done it was just uh, something that i think all you folks out there have to check it out you have to check it out and it's so damn relaxing too rafi i i was really enjoying how you would just go uh just walk into a village and uh, or a little town or whatever and and the people the, they just seem so damn friendly with you i mean they embraced you yeah, absolutely Absolutely. That was one of the highlights, you know, just I never felt a moment of fear walking into a village. You know, I never thought, oh, what will happen in the village? I, I knew that as soon as I get in there, the whole village is going to come out. They're all going to gather around. They're all going to greet me. They're all everyone's going to invite me to dinner. They'll fight over who was going to give me who's going to feed me. <laughs> you know, oh, I'll never leave hungry. Uh, if anything, I'll leave drunk because everyone wants to have a shot of vodka and a homemade I vodka. continue on. Homemade, very strong homemade vodka. Yeah. (laughs) 
I, it's I, very difficult to just yeah. have one. No, no. I, I, I actually seen you with this old timer. He's got his own little bottle working uh, on the in a little shack on the other side of the house or whatever. And actually, you guys ran out and you went over there and filled yourself up a big jar, jar and brought it back to the table. <laughs> yeah, well, it was good times. Yeah. We were having some good times. And, uh, yeah, at that point, I was a little inebriated. So I was uh, – I thought it was a great idea. Why not drink more? You no, know, it, it was <laughs> – It proved not to be. It proved not – I got a little too tipsy and actually ended up in the wrong village after that, you know. But, uh, <laughs> but you'll see in the in the TV show what happens. Perfect, perfect. Uh, now, as you're walking to – you brought this up. You you brought it up a couple times. Uh, you kept saying uh, you you feel freedom. You feel uh, you feel like uh, uh, freedom as as in uh, you feel whole as it with Armenia. Describe how what type of feeling that was uh, for you. Just to say this is you kept saying this is my home. This is this is the freedom that uh, people can choose in their life and how beautiful it is. Hmm. Well, huh, that's a, I mean, at the moment, I feel, at that moment when it's being documented, of course, I felt very strongly. Uh, now it's been two months since that was filmed, or, or maybe even longer since, uh, since I went through that. But I still have the, the remnants in me, still have those feelings. Um, I feel more at home here in Armenia than I do in America, or than I ever did in America. Um, and I, I think many people in the diaspora struggle with that. They may have that same sentiment. Uh, it's just one of those things where in America, I always felt as though I didn't quite belong. But not only that, I also felt that there was already a very rigid idea as to how I should live my life, what was correct, what was incorrect. Right. And I had to kind of live within this narrow scope, which is kind of strange because I think America's famed for being how free it is, how people can do anything they want. But at the same respect, that's true. At the same respect, though, I still felt as though I was somewhat limited, that maybe someone else had already done something before me or that there were safety precautions not allowing me to go outside the box. You know, I'm speaking, you know, metaphysically. Right. But like but here in Armenia, I, I feel as though I'm doing things for the first time and I'm in charge of my own destiny. Um, there's no one there. There's no safety rope. There's no orange cones set up saying, do not walk here. And very rarely has someone tried doing the things that that me and my friends and, and uh, fellow diasporan and, and fellow Armenians are doing nowadays. It's a very young country, very it's it's making itself right now, this new republic, Armenia, you know. And so I feel like there's so many opportunities. And because of that, I feel very free. I feel very exhilarated that I'm here at this moment, at this time. And uh, many doors are open for me. I'm very lucky in this respect. And I feel like anyone who comes over here with the right attitude, with the right work ethic and the right education, they can go pretty far over here. And you know, and I guess that's what I meant by free. Yeah. Free. I'm sorry. I'm, no, no, I no. Go ahead. Your question. I guess that's what I meant by free. That and that I can go anywhere and not feel afraid as well. You know, like like we were saying, I go into a village. I don't have to worry about who I am or who they are. I know that I can come in with nothing and I will be accepted. Yeah. And uh, that, that was a pretty powerful feeling. And I can go pretty much anywhere in Armenia like that. So did these villagers know that you're coming to their house or w you just uh, walked up there and said, you know, th this is uh, this is myself and my camera crew. And uh, we'd love to. By the way, you're Armenian 
is unbelievable too, my friend, because my Armenian Don't say that. You're joking. Oh, I swear, I swear to God, you were really good on that. You were really sharp and uh, you were did, did you have a hard time picking up their dialects? Uh, you know, dialects, not so much, except for when I first started uh, in the southern region. I couldn't understand a word sometimes. You know, I just I got very good at the old smile and nod you know, because I had no idea what they were right. saying. So I just smile and nod and go, yeah, yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, but l- let me say that I, I thought I didn't know how I was going to be accepted. You know, when we came up with this idea and I knew that it was going to be shown on national television and that I would have to do it all in Armenian, I thought, what am I getting myself into? My Armenian's not that good. I've, I've started from zero, basically, when I came here to Armenia. And I make plenty of mistakes. I don't understand everything. Uh, but I'm trying, you know? And bravo, I thought, how Rafi. am I going to tell, tell a TV show in Armenian, in a foreign language? But it's throughout the show that I, I've actually, when I'm going back and doing the editing, and now today, after the show has, has been aired and uh, filmed and aired, I realize how much my Armenian's improved and how confident I am with the language, you know, and it just it just goes to show you that if you immerse yourself, if you're forced to do it, you know, you can pick things up pretty quick. Right. You no, know, no, you were you were on target with that, my friend. I mean, you did very good. And going back to uh, what you said about five minutes ago or a couple minutes ago, you know, there's so many people, so many Armenians throughout the world that. They've made that their bucket list to go back to Armenia, that they've never been to Armenia. And, you know, I hope when they see a video like this, now I'm not saying for all you folks get out there and start uh, throwing a backpack on like uh, Rafi did and walking the mountains and all that, but it's just something that you need to go back to. There's something that you need to experience. And, Rafi, uh, when you're under that waterfall, I was like, holy cow. Cow, that's so beautiful. That that cold water, no one's bothering him. There's no one telling him that he shouldn't be in there. I mean, it, it was it was great to watch. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know what the locals say here is that Armenia is mine, and they, they're speaking from their perspective. And every Armenian, Armenia belongs to them. And so that waterfall is just as much mine as it is the next person as it is the person who's in that village um, or the, the person living in, in Moscow or Argentina or Australia or America, you know, if they're Armenian, they come over there, that, yeah. that same waterfall belongs to them too. You know, and I, I like that idea. I like that feeling. It was very foreign to me, to be honest. I'm American, you know, so everything's privatized. Everything is mine and this is mine and that's yours. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I'm embracing that idea of Ar- in Armenia where it's ours and it's mine. Okay. At if, the same time, if we're in America, what terrain do you think that you are traveling through? I mean, was it kind of like uh, I don't know, so Colorado type, or it, I mean, it was a mixture, wasn't it? it sure was. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the South was more like like you're saying, Colorado, New Mexico. Then you go into Yerevan, which I think is the Ararat Valley, which I feel like is more what California would be if it wasn't irrigated. You know, it would be like a desert, basically. Uh-huh. <laughs> it, would, it would just be dry. And so I feel like that's that area. You head further north into this mountain area, which um, past Sevan, you get into uh, Lori region, which I feel is exactly like Seattle. I feel at home when I'm over there. And then you go into Tavush region, which is uh, a little further north. And that's, again, very green and lush, but also dry. And right. it has that subtropical climate there. So, I mean, walking in within this very small country, I mean, I don't know. What, what is it? It's like the size of Massachusetts or something. I think it's I, I think it's. I heard small. Delaware or Rhode Island. 
I, that, sure. That, yeah. yeah, one of those one of those yeah. small northeastern countries or states, and, and this country is that size, but it, yet it has the geography of of an of like an entire continent. You know, it's it's pretty amazing how diverse it is over here. Now, you were as you're walking, you're running into a lot of abandoned buildings too. There was this one that uh, didn't really uh, settle good with you that you thought. You know that there was kids that played here. There was uh, someone that played uh, the piano there, or something like that. Uh, well, what was what was that about? What I mean was that part of? I didn't catch uh, uh, your Armenian uh, language really well on that. Uh, was that part of uh, abandoned from the war or anything like that? It it's I mean that would be a good reason, right? If it was abandoned because of the war, but. It's a common theme that I, I hear, I saw throughout my entire trip is that so much of Armenia, so many of the villages are abandoned. Um, I mean, maybe there's only a few people living within the village, and they're usually older. You know, their grandparents or great grandparents, uh-huh. uh, their children and their grandchildren have left for Yerevan or left for another country to to survive because they don't feel like they can they, they don't want to live off subsistence they don't want to just garden or, or farm and just live off of that they want to make money which is understandable but uh but it's it means that so much is being just left to decay um and almost everywhere i went to there's a number of abandoned buildings sometimes entire villages abandoned wow. where, where no one's living there whatsoever and you just see the remnants just four walls or three walls is all that's left and you can just see that someone people that you a group of people lived here at yeah. one time, and they're not there anymore. And it's, I, I can never tell exactly why, but the most often times the story I was told is that the kids went off somewhere else, went to another country to go make money. Yeah, well, they couldn't even take the frame off the wall with uh, Mydic on the wall or anything. You know, they left a lot of things behind. I was just wondering yeah, about that. It was curious. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, but yeah, you're right. In that particular case, that was strange. They left everything, and I and I don't know the story behind that one because they left the toys, they left the sewing machine, they left the pictures, the calendar from I don't I forget what year it was, but everything was left. I'm not. It, it was very very strange. Okay, and uh, the way you're walking too, Ralphie. You you got it on the map. You've got it drawn out. And now, there had to be some Christopher Columbus routes there because you would walk up, and then I see this loop coming all the way down, and then a loop going way up again. And I'm like, he could have cut. He could have cut a lot of time if he just kept going this way. Or was it just the the mountains, the terrain that, that forced you to go back down? It seemed like you went. 40, 50 miles down, then you went 40, 50 miles up, then you went back down again. A lot of zigzagging going on. Right, right. When they show the map in that, when they show the map out, uh, zoomed out, and you could kind of see that I just go back and forth several times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I do look like I'm just walking around in circles. And uh, of course, there are a couple times I got lost, but uh, the majority of it is because of the, the rough uh, topography. You know, it's. Uh, it looks like it should just be a straight route, but this is mountainous Armenia, right, right. and and the elevation changes drastically. You know, so um, I, I can walk one step, and then there's a canyon in front of me. You know that I can't I can't cross. If I could fly, I could I could come right, across. But otherwise, right. I've got to walk around and walk down, and then walk back up again. And uh, there was also a couple times where there was specific points I wanted to see for myself, but I also wanted to show others. Uh, wow. by filming and so I, I went out of my way a couple times in order to, to go through these beautiful areas 
Yeah. Um, for it, instance, Hell's Canyon. I love Hell's Canyon. It's one of my favorite camping spots. And so I've been to the to the outside of Hell's Canyon, to the border of Hell's Canyon, because uh, it's a popular rock climbing place. I go camp there and rock climb. But then I've never been into the canyon itself where the dry riverbed is. And so I walked through there. So that, that kind of took me out of my journey, out of a straight journey. But uh, it was well worth it because it was just a beautiful, beautiful area. Now, you drank a lot of the water. And when I was in Armenia, I I got sick off just the regular water that, you know, one of those water faucets that everyone just takes a drink out of. And I, I got sick right. of that. You, you after a while, uh, forget that little tube that you put on your bottle. Now you were just sticking your head down and drinking that uh, crystal clear water, as you called it. Uh, was there any, did you get any sickness from that? Never. I never got sick. Nothing bad. Nothing bad whatsoever happened. (laughs) You know, that first week I still, I mean, I I had my American moment in me, right? Like I I had my filter, I was ready. And so that first week, everywhere I went, I placed my water filter on top of my water bottle and I drank through that, uh, that filtered straw. Especially the scene that we filmed, because that water was like brown. I don't know if it appeared. No, no, it was brown in the footage. <laughs> yeah, it was brown. It was dirty water. Right. <laughs> but then after after a week, you know, I, I was walking for four months, and so after after a week, I was already tired of plopping on the water filter every single time, and so I, right I just got it. used to it. I just I just took the chance, drank from the source, and. Uh, you know, knock on wood, nothing bad ever happened. Yeah, bravo, bravo. Uh, but you know, your 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 thing with you that is so common whenever people come to Armenia. I, I never had that problem. I never got any kind of stomach flu or anything. But it's very common. And from what I heard, it's more. It's not the bacteria that's in the water. It's the pH level. It's in the West. We have a like a more of an acidic water, and over here, it's uh, the pH level is much higher. And so our stomachs need to adjust to that. It's just it's just the time thing. Yep. Perfect. Perfect. Well, I tell you what, Rafi, we had a great time. I had a great time watching you, and uh, I appreciate it. And I want people to un- – how was the government about this? They had to be thrilled about y- your little venture here, your journey. Yeah. Uh, I haven't heard anything from the government. Um, <laughs> Why the hell not? This is perfect for tourism. I know, but uh, hmm, how should I say this? We we uh, approached uh, one of a government body to help us with the beginning before we started filming, before we showed anything, and they said, "Good for you guys, go do it." Um, oh, and that nice. was the the, the that, support that we got uh, after showing it. <laughs> after showing it, I don't know. I haven't heard anything, but I did get a remark from a, a representative of Artsakh, Karabakh. And uh, he was, uh, he said, Rafi, we love your show and we welcome you to our country. So how great would that be? Who knows, man? Who knows? If there's a, if there's a future season coming up, I can't, I don't know. We're still talking about things, but there's a possibility we might go there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I guess the only fear factor that you just brought up Artsakh and uh, you said it uh, maybe a couple minutes ago on just you getting lost. I don't think I want to get lost in Artsakh. I mean, uh, you, you never know what borders uh, you're around or anything like that. And uh, that had to be a little fear factor, too, just getting lost in Armenia, knowing that, you know, the borders may be 50 miles away from here or 100 miles away from there. Yeah. Uh, I didn't feel so bad about that in Armenia. I mean, I, I pretty much I knew where I was in Armenia. I always had the map with me. I always had my uh, my phone as well. And I always knew where the border was. Uh, Artsakh could be another story. I mean, I, of course, I would know where the border is at that time, too. My biggest fear there would be uh, landmines. 
would, oh, would be yeah. the, the leftovers of, of war. No, you're right. I know there's an organization called Halo Trust. They're involved with the mining Artsakh. But, uh, and, of course, if I, if I were to go there, I would do research with them first. Um, but that is a real, a real concern. Yes, for sure, for sure. Now, Rafi, how can people find the, these videos? And uh, it's on YouTube, right? It's called Janabar Road. Janabar or Road. Um, also, Janabar or Road on uh, H1 uh, website, which I think is www.h1.am. Um, and then on Facebook, they can find us. Again, it's Road or Janabar. Okay. Uh, we use both for our Facebook page. And we, we do a lot of our updates on Facebook. And I'm going to keep putting on things. I want to put a lot of behind-the-scenes footage on there because we shot a lot. We had a lot of footage that. That, we, that we only use a small portion because you have to imagine every day we're, sh we're filming all day, all right. day. And at the end, we tell a small story, but we still have tons of footage, which we never got a chance to show. So I'm going to put in some behind-the-scenes interviews and some unused footage on there as well. Oh, that would be great. I, I tell you what, I feel like I'm with you on this journey. So uh, I, I think the people out there that uh, just, you know what, you're going through YouTube, you're looking for Armenian sites and all that, check out Rafi's uh, journey here. Check out the Janabar. Check out the road. I tell you what, folks, you will really feel relaxed. And the drone, I mean, that was some beautiful you captured so much landscape that I never seen before. Yeah, it was it was beautiful. Those uh, those valleys with the waterfall, I never seen that before. Yeah, you, you got it. You got it. it. Yeah, it's amazing what what you can film with a drone. You know how many drones we lost and broke though. You gotta tell me. <laughs> tell us. Uh, I, I mean, it's gotta. <laughs> I stopped counting, but I think it was about four or five. Um, to most of which we recovered, but I remember one of them, like when we went up to Gogi Leach, like you said, with the fog, we lost a drone up there. We we flew it through the mountains, and the cloud cover was moving so quickly, coming in and out, that it just got lost in the clouds. We could not find it. We went back trying to look through the footage, trying to see what it saw, what it, the the video that it sent us before we lost it. You did lose. You did lose four of them. Yeah, yeah, we lost at least four, but we used another drone to find one of the drones, which is kind of funny. And we <laughs> we broke drones, we lost them. They wow. are pricey, but they they shoot amazing footage. It was well very, worth very it. Awesome. Well worth it. Uh, I, so, folks, uh, check out and Rafi. They, can they go to your homepage too? Do you have some? Uh, do you have a site going up uh, called Janabar or the road that people can uh, check that out as well? I think we're working on it, but we don't have an individual site. Yet. Uh, I gotcha. So Facebook is Facebook is probably the best. I also want to say that we're gonna we're working on making an English version of our show. So uh, right I now you can wait. see it in Armenian, but we'll have an English version later. And and folks, uh, for you out there, Rafi does go back to uh, speak in English too uh, in the in these episodes as well. So that's kind of neat too. Uh, you kind he kind of gives you both uh, Armenian and English, which is great. Well, Rafi, yeah. I tell you what, man, uh, you have a great time. Are you coming back here for the holidays, or are you staying in uh, Armenia? I plan to. You know, I've been here for over. I've been here for a while, and I haven't seen my mom in a long time. So I think I've done a good. I, I've done enough that I can feel like I've earned a trip back home to go see my mom. So I plan on going back this winter. <laughs> Bravo, Rafi. That's that's beautiful, man. And you're a friend of the show. Anything that pops up, uh, anything you'd like to promote about new episodes coming up, wherever it may be. Let it, let me know. Let, let us know, and we'd love to have you back on. 
We'll, we'll do with great pleasure, man. It was, it was great speaking with you guys. Thank you so much, Rafi. Thank you for being part of the show. That's Rafi Petrosian, guys. And definitely check out those four episodes on YouTube and then go to uh, what was that? One? What was our site called again? Road Janabar. Road Janabar, but it, that radio station or that TV station, where, did, where can they go after the, the four episodes oh. from YouTube? H1. H1. Was it H1.com or H1.net or what? It's either H1. I'm sorry, I forget too. H1.com or H1.am for Armenia. .am. So H1.am. Yeah. Okay, folks, definitely check that out. Rafi, you have a great stay, and uh, folks, definitely check out Rafi. Thank you so much, Rafi. Thank you very much. Take care. Take care. That was Rafi Petrosian. That was a great interview. Dude, I, I loved it. I, I was fascinated I, the whole time. I'm telling you, Brian, I just want to grab a backpack now. You could be my camera guy. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, me and mountains don't exactly I, well, Me either, man. <laughs> Can you see both of us out in the wilderness? Or at the one, t- one part of it, Rafi's like, oh, I'm really thirsty now. Right there, I would say, let's get the hell out of here. Let's catch a cab. Let's get back to the city here, eat some barbecue, and drink all we want. But, uh, there, I, I but just, it would be a fascinating show. You oh, know, two would. guys in Armenia. <laughs> yeah, that would be <laughs> definitely fascinating. <laughs> Us sitting in the back of a wagon somewhere and just being carted off somewhere. You know what? Well, it, it's fun. It's beautiful. But I don't think you and me can do this. No. Which is why I'm definitely going to watch his show. His, yeah, just watching it, <laughs> I love it. Him under the waterfall, that's that's that was beautiful, man. Yeah, I'm and that drone, to they wasted four. I think he said four drones, right? Yeah, four drones, four got, or five, and then they got found blown one out. again. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean that. That's a lot of footage, folks. And uh, God, God bless, God bless Rafi and uh, his crew for doing it. And and uh, like I said, though. There's so many snakes and out uh, this Armenian viper out there. That's, uh, I mean, we go to the St. Louis Zoo. It's got its own law. Yeah, it's got its own law that says Armenian viper. Not a whole lot of snakes have a whole article with the whole wall about how dangerous of a snake it is. That alone, I'm not climbing through all. And did you hear him? He said he almost stepped on one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my friends, that was Rafi, and let's move on to my type of living a little bit, a little bit of casual, kick back, and enjoy life, and that is Anush. And Anush, I tell you what, Anush set up a, a nice interview with Voskani. I, you know what Voskan means? Uh, no, I don't. Vo, Vos, Voskan, I think, means like gold. Ah. So, uh, you know, we got that whole thing going there, and I know that Anush probably had had a nice interview here. I can't wait to hear it. I can't wait to hear it. Let's roll with it. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited about today's guest. We are interviewing and we're going to hear all about Voskini Winery. And our guest is Ararat Mukherjan, who is one of the founders of the winery. Hi, Ararat. How are you? Hi. Many thanks for uh, inviting me to your interesting show. Um, uh, hope, hope to... Have a good discussion about Armenian winemaking and introduce our winery. So, um, tell us about uh, the winery, the owner's background. How did it come about? Um, <clears throat> it was Kenny Winery. 
and was founded. Actually, it has a long story. Uh, we have time. My, <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, it was founded in uh, uh, about about hundred years ago. On my grand grandfather, he moved back from United States to his motherland. He founded a vineyard. Uh, in a, a startup up um, where it was taking a big uh, uh, bottle, uh, battle uh, between um, Armenians and Turks, and was very patriotic. Uh, and he decided to found a vineyard there. But um, later on, there was a harsh time uh, for businessmen-minded people, business-minded people, and he was repressed by Soviet Bolsheviks. As a, um, as a spy uh, for United States or uh, other uh, other foreign states. Because he was a so, businessman, he was considered to be a spy. He he, he just had uh, uh, Dashnak sign on his uh, jacket, uh -huh. and they considered him as a spy uh, because uh, at that age, when you was a patriotic, you more or less uh, used to be or Dashnak or Henchak or some some other party uh, member, uh, but he was just a patriot, uh, he wasn't a spy, and uh, he moved uh, to Armenia uh, with a dream to, to found um, uh, factories and uh, vineyards and wineries, um, because he was a wealthy man, um, but unfortunately uh, he, he, he lost everything, uh, all his wealth was confiscated and uh, assets was uh, also confiscated. So at the end of the story, um, my grandfather um, uh, somehow reached um, his rehabilitation. I mean, um, um, by law, he uh, um, made state to consider that he wasn't a spy and it was just aggression. Afterwards, in 2008, my father uh, was uh, making research in archives and find out that um, he had vineyard um, in, in Sardarabad. And um, yeah, at that time, uh, we used to live in, in Russia, in Moscow. And I was working between Moscow and London. And the, um, at a certain point, uh, father moved to Armenia and said uh, that he was so connected to, uh, to that land. Mm -hmm. Then um, we wasn't see, uh, <laughs> he was there more than a half a year, uh -huh. um, just enjoying his time there. And all family start to miss him father. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, uh, that was a good year for me at my work. I moved to father and said, okay, we should do something. We should unite family. Uh, uh, History, tradition, yeah. Yes, yes. And, uh, um, and we start to uh, make a wine. Um, we start to restructure our vineyard because during the Soviet time, as you know, uh, a lot of uh, indigenous grapes was uh, destructed and was substituted by hybrid like Alcatelli, uh, Cancun, and other varieties. Mm -hmm. uh, for for what uh, in a very university, very smart. Um, there, there was. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, it's like when when I went to school there, there was this whole um, variety of. Uh, um, uh, grapes that were cultivated by Ivazan and they're like Ivazan varietals. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it, it was sort of Ivazan age when um, it was total creativity age uh, when, when 
Um, I think every year you had some new variety to, <laughs> to plant. <laughs> uh, and um, the idea was to cultivate more and more and more resistant, uh, more, more uh, uh, harvesting kilogram um, in weight. But um, at that age, uh, I think we lost a lot. Uh, I mean, maybe we, we, we lost the connection to our roots what was uh, our indigenous varieties, which was really cool. And, and still, they are very interesting. And I think um, they are treasury uh, of the world wine um, inheritance. So, what, is, what are uh, the varietals that you're growing? And, uh, in our vineyard, it was a mix of uh, many varieties, including Voskihat, uh, Arani, uh, Garandamag, and Arkatsteli um, and Kangun. Mm-hmm. And we decided to do follow, and we separated Rakatelli and Kangun and support, uh, supplied it to Ararat Brandy um, uh, Cognac Company, mm-hmm. which uh, was considering our grape like, top uh, among top five uh, producers uh, by quality every year. So, uh, if any uh, producer in the valley have issue with uh, um, it's a distribution of its uh, distribution of its uh, grape. We usually uh, don't have any any issue with this. But still, uh, we start bigger extraction program for our vineyard, which is 22 hectare. We want to have only indigenous varieties mm-hmm. um, because I think th- th- that move is justified um, because the vari- uh, our indigenous varieties are really rich and have an interesting in ba- background. Uh, it was living and growing there for a thousand years. Yeah, that absolutely. Locals uh, at that area. Mm-hmm. And if we are thinking about something new, yeah. it's more like uh, more or less like an experiment. But if you want to something to do proved, it means that you would, you better work with uh, something which was proved by a thousand years. Which was or, there initially. Uh, so where is the where where is the winery located? Where is the vineyards located? You are um, tell us about the um, the topography there and the land because I know you are not in the Areni village, which is Yeregnadzor. Um, Correct. Where are um, you? Yeah, um, actually, uh, we have uh, some long term contracts with. Uh, uh, farmers in Yerinator also, because okay. in Armenia, you should see the land of Armenia is like a stepper. Um, um, uh, it starts from 900 or maybe 700 meters under the sea level and go up to 1,800 in Pachik village. Yeah. And, um, and all of these um, uh, altitudes have its interesting impact and, uh, uh, to, to the varieties, to, to the grape. So um, all Armenian winemaking industry is very young, and if you are in it, uh, you should work with different altitudes and with different varieties to understand big and the, the, where is potential is good for what wine and variety. Mm-hmm. So um, in our area, uh, our vineyard is located right under the hill where was the battle between um, uh, Sardarabad and battle because during the construction of our vineyard winery. Uh, we found a lot of guns. Oh, my goodness. So, so it's first, like an excavation yeah. site. It's a museum. Yeah, yes. <laughs> we, we, we separated them and we want to have a small <laughs> exhibition. Oh, uh, how cool is that? That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's sad, but 
Yeah, I mean, uh, it was but positive history. part of our history yeah. we defeated. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And just to remind, just after that um, uh, um, battle between Armenia and the Armenians and Turks, uh, uh, we have founded our first republic uh-huh. in, back to 1918. Um, so um, I think it's good See, point. See, I'm, I'm going to in, interrupt point. you uh, for a second. This is this is what I mean. Like when I talk to people and I say uh, the wine, it's not just an alcoholic beverage. There is so much history behind it. There is so much other information that like, how can you go from the wine to a history to excavation? It is so cool, isn't it? <laughs> I get <laughs> I get just too excited, especially like hearing this kind of stories it's like yes exactly that's not wine is not only for you know for drinking but it's also to talk about it and i'm sorry back to back back to the location <laughs> i'm 100% agree with you uh, moreover um that, that heel is really amazing um i don't know there's some magic in it uh just on it because you know um in armenia um uh, terroir is like that usually we are under um, some stress because the weather is changing so fast and a lot of um, uh, situations when, 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 when you have like uh, frost or other damages during the year but I don't know maybe uh, it, it was some really good hour, good um, hour place when uh, mm-hmm. uh, when, we, when we see that uh, we don't have let's say um, special coverage for um, um, the crop in English uh, for the hail, yeah, for the hail or um, uh, for the frost. Uh-huh. But you know, uh, sometimes we have we see. I mean, sometimes three years in a row we mm-hmm. see a situation when, when during a harshest frost, um, uh, a lot of areas where um, around us they had no no harvest at all. But this hill is like a place <laughs> which is protected by someone. It was only like 20-30% maximum damage we saw. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and that, that's why every year um, uh, we, we, we had the feeling that it's something special. We should do it because we should do it. Like, uh, it's like some mission uh, in, in this vineyard that's uh, very emotionally um, uh, uh, maybe your grand, maybe yeah. your great grandfather is protecting the harvest. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> or maybe people who defeated our country. I mean, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's unbelievable. There is there there might be some currents. There might be just like you said. You know, the Armenia. It's um, the winemaking, although uh, it dates uh, so long ago. But the industry is going through. Um, you know, revival, and um, there is so much to be discovered. Maybe there is some currents, maybe some part of that land has a different, um, you know, um, uh, different soil levels that are helping with that. So there could be so much uh, more to that. This is this is very exciting to know, you know, how, how and why that part is not affected sure. by the frost. Um, sure. so, so you have... Um, Tell me, like, what kind of wines um, do you produce? Do you have both white and red? Do you make rosé? Um, what are what are the wines that you make, and how many varieties do you have? 
Um, yeah, uh, at the beginning, uh, we decided to focus on um, among red wines to, uh, in um, Arini and uh, we had experiments with Randorni to make a blend. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, we decided that Arini um, separately is rich enough, just um, better to start to work with Arini wines. Um, from fr- uh, February to to bring to to, to get it um, um, to to the right right um, condition. Mm-hmm. Um, what I mean is um, uh, the solid background really uh, turn out our attention from making wine grape in, into the making just the grape for brandy or let's say home home wine. Mm-hmm. So that um, it's very important to use uh, international expertise and um, more scientific approaches to develop and to grow first a grape, Absolutely. then uh, focus on how to keep this uh, uh, quality in wine. So uh, ma- many producers start investing uh, in the, the winery, mm-hmm. but uh, I think um, in our case, in the case of Armenia, uh, we all should start from vineyard because vineyards are the first absolutely everybody in the world you know in any wine making anyone who is making wine needs to concentrate first on the grapes because you can make a bad wine from a good grape but you cannot make a good wine from a bad grape so (laughs) that's like the universal (laughs) truth you gotta have a good wine a good grape to produce a good wine so it's 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 wonderful that you guys are really uh, paying attention to the uh, crop and uh, all those. Yeah, uh, and, and that's the way it was. In the first years, it was very difficult to um, make, a, you know, to, to, to grow a good good grape, you have to cut a lot of green uh, berries. Absolutely. And, to, uh, mm-hmm. and, and just imagine when you say to someone, uh, yeah. you have to cut, it was like something... You are, you are doing something very stupid, and, um, I think, and they try to uh, explain you how, how dare you are. Yeah, but no, to waste the fruit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. How, how many wines do you have? Um, <clears throat> we have uh, two, uh, two varieties of white and three varieties of red, and since 2017, um, uh, we'll have uh, uh, Voskini Rosé and um, Arini Blanc or Arini White. Oh, awesome. So, uh, Voskini Rosé is made from just Arini varietal or is it also uh, another blend, another varietal blended to it? Uh, actually, uh, we, uh, we did something special because this Arini Rosé is made only from Arini. Now, this Rosé was made only from Arini. Uh-huh. But what is interesting about this Arini, it was um, from vineyards which are uh, 130 uh, years old and they are located in Aravnador. Um, and this year was very cold and this grape was ideal for Rosé. And what I mean, um, when you drink it, you feel a lot of strawberries, and uh, I'm really surprised to, uh, to see these aromas and these uh, flavors. Mm-hmm. So uh, let professionals and uh, sommeliers uh, to decide what it is about um, in 2018. 
well, that brings me to the next question. Uh, do you, which countries uh, do you uh, export your wine to? And is it available in uh, United States, in LA? Because I am in LA and I want to try it. <laughs> but also, I want everybody else to try it. And, um, you know, we want, we want everyone to try the wines from Armenia and to get to know them. So do you, how many can tell us where you are, where the wines are? Actually, uh, we start our export um, from Europe and Russia. Uh -huh. uh, we are represented in Europe in Benelux countries like Netherlands, um, Luxembourg, and uh, Belgium. Also in Austria, uh, very soon in Sweden, uh, in Russia. But, uh, we are in final stage of negotiations uh, with LA importer, and I hope very soon uh, I'll be will be represented in. Um, uh, retail retail chain and, and will be also uh, possible to buy for Horeca. Um, Which uh, one, Horeca? Yeah. I mean Horeca, yeah. Uh, Horeca mm -hmm. also will be. Um, uh, what is it? On, it's a uh, hotels, restaurants, cafes. Oh, Horeca is like short. Sh 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 oh, you know this category of clients. I, I mean, see. Um, we are, we are uh, comparing to the biggest producers like. Um, uh, others, like Armenia or Karas, uh, mm -hmm. we are family uh, business and we are more focused uh, more on uh, uh, restaurants, hotels, cafes, and, um, and less for the retail because I we are not that big enough. Uh -huh. Anyway, we are represented in many in, in some retail chains also uh, in, in different countries. Very and, good. Uh, I, yeah, we ho hope to, uh, to be there in LA very soon. And uh, also, uh, I will be there, as I said before, in March. Um, Looking uh, forward. Of samples. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, we need we need to do another show when you are here. And uh, um, uh, I mean, for the listeners, you know, we had a little conversation beforehand. Uh, so Arat is coming uh, to in March with a family to visit, and we I have to meet with you. We have to do like a tasting. We need to do another interview. We need to like sum, <laughs> sum, su summarize uh, things, taste things together. But um, I know I've been looking when I was researching about the winery. Um, I saw that you guys uh, earned a bunch of awards. I mean, based on what you have told me and told everyone on how um, much attention you put to the details, to growing the grapes, to the production, to everything. It seems like you guys put your heart and soul into it. I'm not surprised that you win awards, but let's hear it. Which awards have you gotten? <laughs> um, uh, actually, these awards are uh, important, but um, these awards are not the uh, purpose of making wine. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's pleasant. Making is very young and really uh, we, we need some recognition from international um, uh, well-known organizations. So uh, we applied for um, one, we took part in um, World Wine Competition, uh, Decanter World Wine Competition and the God. Uh, Decanter is a huge them. thing, yeah. Decanter is huge. Uh, Yay! Yeah. And this year also we got to take part uh, in, <laughs> um, uh, we, we applied to different guides and hope to get uh, results very soon. Um, also, we uh, uh, took part in uh, international competition in Armenia, in the RNA Festival, um, and also um, Armenian Wine uh, Foundation made this competition this year, um, uh, thanks to Zara Muradian, uh, 
have to say several words that um, uh, entire uh, landscape of winemaking and the uh, government uh, relations with the winemakers has changed uh, since the launch of this uh, foundation, wine foundation, which is um, uh, run by um, uh, Zara Moraiden. Zara, another clap for Zara. Zara is my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and, and really, uh, we see that uh, uh, yeah, the, the cooperation between producers um, and the government is going in on very positive way. Awesome. I want to just uh, mention that uh, in Armenia, um, maybe one of the um, only uh, industry where which is mainly represented by diaspora um, members or former diaspora. The, the wine industry, um, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then, then from locals. It means mm -hmm. that uh, we, we see that there is no dominance or there is no monopoly. Everyone um, uh, on a um, fair uh, competition. But I would say it's not comp less competition and more cooperation because we are winemakers are... Um, our friends um, and uh, yeah. we really care about each other. That's what I, I have to um, uh, put this into um, add, add to that. Um, the winemakers are um, and the people who are in the wine industry. There's like it's it's a different group. I mean, I'm biased, but uh, because I am a winemaker and I work in the <laughs> wine industry. But when I went to when I when I worked in Napa Valley. It was absolutely, and I mean, I didn't have a huge experience working with the winemakers in Armenia because I just graduated the um, university. I worked a little internship and I left to the United States. But working in Napa Valley, seeing the camaraderie between the winemakers to this day and the willingness of them to share information with each other, help help uh, each other. And like we would go to the dinners to hang out with some winemakers and they would tell the history, how they became famous, how they became successful by helping each other, by getting and sharing the know-how, like uh, experiments and, you know, sharing information. And until this day, it has been, they are, they are close, they are friends, they are, um, you know, they share all the stuff, and when I hear that the same is in Armenia, it just it's like a universal winemaker's uh, language or the, the 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 lifestyle. It's it's so I'm so happy to hear that it's the same in Armenia that everyone is sharing information and helping each other because the ultimate goal is for the industry to succeed, and the ultimate goal is for the wine to to become popular and um you know recognized oops the phone got a ring but anyways <laughs> anyways so i mean we can talk about this forever so wh where do you see um the the winery in five years in 10 years like what are the goals what is the main purpose of Voskeni? yeah um uh, you know it comes from um being an ambitious um, we are we are really all of our family members are ambitious and all the time we are trying to set um, goals as high as possible. And in our case, um, we decided that uh, we will set goals um, in quality and we will not grow more than, let's say, 8,000 uh, bottles, uh, 80,000 bottles per year mm -hmm. because uh, we want to be trendsetters uh, or quality setters. Um, and we want to show that we, we, 
producer can be really high quality, uh, limited um, capacity to produce, but uh, same time um, uh, at the affordable price because um, I think the ultimate goal of all winemakers is to make it be, to, to be acceptable uh, for wine lovers um, or, or to be uh, possible to to, uh, to to give an opportunity to uh, to be affordable. And, uh, but it doesn't mean that it should be cheap. It just should be um, for that quality. It should be the best com combination of price and quality. Exactly. So uh, uh, th that's the idea. Uh, current currently, I th I see that. Um, if you compare, um, being honest, yeah, uh, uh, Armenian wines uh, are a bit expensive, but it doesn't mean that they are um, expensive for no reason. No, just the situation is that, that uh, all industry at the stage of renaissance, um, we are you know, active investment stage, all the producers, and we are investing not, in, not only in machinery or whatever, very invested in quality, mm -hmm. and, and this stage, uh, this quality um, uh, consume a lot of <laughs> money, and this end up um, at a bit uh, high price. But for consumers, it's very important to know that uh, when when the industry mature, uh, let's say in five years, uh, we will have uh, one of the best winemaking regions in in um, uh, in that area. Absolutely, and, uh, no no other neighbor can compete with it. <laughs> uh, why is that? Because um, yeah, I mean, I'm 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 honest. I don't want to undermine anyone, but uh, situation is that it's much better to, uh, to work with no reputation and build it from scratch and and be one of the best in quality and um, uh, then then try to work and uh, persuade it and that, uh, <laughs> then try to work with better yeah so, well and also uh, the consumers will decide it's what i mean i have no doubt armenia is uh, i mean i'm armenian i was you know it's super special i love the wine i'm so excited about the industry growth and i'm looking forward for people all across the world to taste it and to um, know it for themselves, you know, to realize it themselves without anyone, you know, telling them, you know, it's, <laughs> you know what I sure, mean, it's, sure. it's that, that's, yeah, that's the that's main the idea. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, absolutely. Idea, not to work only with uh, Armenians and um, uh, try to explode, uh, let's say, diaspora, um, but uh, more to try to find a connection with Weindauer. Absolutely. Because Weindauer is um, uh, a bit different uh, from, let's say, uh, other consumers. Wine lovers are people who like to taste something new all the time. It's not wine lover is not the person who let's say drink uh, like a whiskey um, a lover. Yeah, whiskey lover have let's say one or two variety uh, sort of uh, whiskey. He admires it. He drinks it all the time. Yeah. And wine lover is the one who is all the time looking for something new, something interesting, and. Um, and, and and you know we see a lot of new regions thanks to this uh, the people. And um, uh, I can say that mainly these people are living in um, in North Europe and uh, in United States. They are open for something new. Absolutely, and it's a great opportunity for Armenian producers to to be represented there. Um, at the same time, to compete uh, on that on that market because also United States has its uh, own uh, let's say producers 
and they have this, this you, love for not only yeah. for energy. well United sure. States is such a huge market and uh, yes Napa Valley is a very important part of the uh, production of the United States and like of the of the wine but at the same time the consumer is so diverse and with the younger this millennium um, generation um, they are very experimental. They are looking for a wine that has a history, that a wine that is something different, that has um, a little bit more than the traditional wines that you can find anywhere. So, like you said, this is a great opportunity. But you know what? I mean, we can talk about this for. Uh, we, we can talk and discuss this um, forever, but. Um, I'm going to keep some of that more discussion for the next time when we meet, when you are in L.A. Uh, I wanted to tell you I'm looking forward um, to tasting the wine when it's here. I'm looking forward to meeting you. And thank you so much for sharing this wonderful story of the um, winery and your family and how it all came about 100 years ago. And it's a success today. And congratulations on that. That's uh, uh, that's that, that's exactly like a dream come true, and the dream is alive. Um, uh, what where, where are you off to? Are you um, you? I, I didn't ask. Uh, you know, um, you know where you live right now. <laughs> but <laughs> are, are you? Do you have any yeah. business trips or any any like wine yeah. shows competitions? <laughs> yeah, uh, we have separated all, all roles in our family. Um, my sister is in charge for operations in uh, vineyards, uh, in winery. My mother is doing uh, more administrative uh, stuff. Uh, father is responsible for vineyard. Um, uh, people on winery are for like for technical. Uh, and also we have advisor from Wilhelm, Wilhelm office. Uh, he's like very well, well known winemaker. Um, uh, he, he's from Austria actually, but it was um, uh, have a good experience experience in making wine in um, Spain and in Italy. Um, thanks to him, um, uh, we are experimenting uh, this year with uh, different new varieties, uh, the styles of making wine. But it's more and more experimental things, and we will see how it end up. And um, I will try to work on it. Awesome. And yeah, and um, regarding varieties, we really. Uh, things that uh, are indigenous varieties like Arani, Bostiad, Karandamad, Kafet, uh, and uh, other, other varieties are the things uh, we should invest more and more. And we are part of this, um, uh, okay, um, the people who, who, who really um, uh, think that our, our roots are something interesting to share with the rest of the world. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. You are on the right track. Well, good luck. Um, thank, thank you, you thank you again for the uh, for the beautiful conversation, and I will talk to you later. Thank you, Anish, and good luck to your great program. Um, I'm looking forward to see you once I'm in Armenia, in United States. Yes, great. See you later. Thank you. And what a great interview here! I great interview, it. and uh, I I think Anush could be setting up her own segment a wine segment here yeah no i mean we keep helping She's a her professional out. yeah yeah we keep helping her out we're we're getting her more and more equipment and uh and more stuff to to help her get better and better at, at right. doing this stuff. So yeah, right. th these segments are just going to get better. Uh, she, she's a natural. She's yep. a natural, and what a great interview! 
And that was Voskini uh, Winery, and that was with Arat uh, uh, McCurchion. Yep. I think that was it. All right, my friends, uh, we are going on a holiday again. I don't want to hear it. I don't want any messages. Where's the show? Where's the show? Uh, it's just what it is. I, I can't help it because everyone's uh, leaving town. I can't even get guests the, the last couple weeks, okay? So I know you guys are entrenched with hearing some good shows. Why should I give a crappy show? Exactly. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. So uh, I guess uh, next year. Yeah. Next year now. That's Can you believe next year? I know. 2018, it's man. crazy. Jesus. 2018 already. Anyway, uh, so 2018, uh, we'll start the show off again. Well, Happy New Year and uh, all the best wishes, all the best health to all of you folks out there. All the best to Armenia and all its people. You know what? We're a small nation, and we're all tight together, and I hope we always stay together like this, and uh, that's part of being Armenian. And uh, folks out there, just just whenever you have a chance to enjoy life, and uh, if you see another Armenian down on the Lux or whatever, let's always pick each other up. That's what it's all about. And the 2018, I hope, is a blessed year for all of us out there including my adopted armenian friend here <laughs> brian yeah i'm i think it's going to be a great year for us yes definitely hey and one more thing out there folks uh if you're going to shop on amazon again again i keep emphasizing it. if you're going to shop on amazon why not go through armeniaproud.com first on your right hand side you'll see amazon click on amazon shop away but it's got to be in that order here you just don't go to amazon we don't get love there but you have to go through armeniaproud.com and click on Amazon. <clears throat> I'm losing my voice. And then you just, uh, you won't see Armenia Proud again. You just shop on Amazon. That's about it. That's about it, my friends. Thank you so much for a great year again. And genatsit, kishet party, and let's make a little bit of a toast for 2018. Tune in next week for another episode of A Toast to Armenia with Jono Kabinjian. Find the show online at armeniaproud.com and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, and all major podcast outlets. Join the conversation at facebook.com slash armeniaproud or Twitter at armeniaproud. Get all of our podcasts now at lineupmedia.fm. This podcast was a presentation of lightupmedia.fm.